Hello there, my name is Ryan and I make music under the name Sleeping At Last and uh, this is the Sleeping At Last podcast. Time is very weird and as it moves on it apparently only gets weirder um, I genuinely cannot believe that my yearbook project is now 10 years old a solid decade and that just completely blows my mind on one hand it, it feels like I wrote these 36 songs maybe two years ago um, but on the other hand it feels like a hundred years ago kind of feels right so uh, in any case this collection of songs reached its double digits birthday and I'm celebrating so this episode is all about my yearbook project, um, what it taught me, how it paved the path to everything I've made musically since, how it changed my perspective on release format, how it helped me feel more comfortable in my own musical skin, how it uh, kind of just made me fall in love with thematic music um, and, and a lot more. So I'm really, really excited to dive into that and to, to get to talk to you guys about yearbook. And by the way, a new 10-year anniversary edition of your book is now available everywhere music is. Uh, there's a new vinyl collection. There's a t-shirt. You know, all the anniversary types of things that you'd expect um, are available. And so I've got a link to those things in the show notes if you're interested. It's very possible that you have no idea what I am even talking about when I talk about your book. So the idea for your book was fairly simple. Ten years ago, I wanted to challenge myself to writing as many songs as I possibly could in a single year and put them out into the world. And so I decided that three new songs each month for a year would would pretty much do the trick. Uh, that's 36 songs in total. And I figured that if I couldn't do it, if I failed, fell you know miserably flat on my face, um, at the very least, I'd become a better songwriter for trying. And if I could actually do it and finish all 36 songs within a year, well, the same, the same result. I'd be a better songwriter. And I had one rule for this project. I had to be proud of the songs that I was putting out, like genuinely proud. And so I'll talk more about that soon. But uh, the idea for your book came after three events. The first was a conversation I had with my, my dear friend, David Hodges, who happens to be one of the top songwriters on the planet. He's incredible. Um, we met at an event many, many years ago in Chicago, um, and we were there to have kind of a joint performance and a, a kind of chat about songwriting. Backstage, we had a conversation about like all things music. And after hearing about the massive amount of projects David is a part of, I was curious and, and asked him how many songs he thought like per year he was writing. And he said it was something like a hundred. And that just completely knocked me over. I, I was expecting like 20, which would be far more impressive than what I was writing. Um, and then, of course, he asked me the same question. And I, and I told him that I wrote about three to five songs per year. At that time, I was typically writing enough songs just for a new album uh, every three years. So I had never been someone that just kind of wrote a ton of music all the time. I, I wrote exactly enough for the album that I was currently working on. So that conversation stuck with me. And, and honestly, it kind of bothered me. Um, it was kind of in the back of my subconscious. Um, and it, it didn't bother me because of the comparison, but because I had zero idea why I wasn't writing more music. It's the thing that I love the most in the world. 
So sometime after that, I listened to an interview with the composer Hans Zimmer, and uh, and he explained that what he loved most about his job making music for films was that he got to make music all the time. And he was in this constant creative flow, and he mentioned that before he was a film composer, he was in this band, and he always felt kind of discontent uh, by the traditional album cycle of you know making an album and then going around the world to talk about the album. For the next couple of years, he said he just didn't like not making making things for such long stretches of time while the band toured and and did all those things. And I completely, completely related um, to that on pretty much every level, because for me, performance and writing are such different muscles. And for the first chunk of my music making career, um, I I would do the same. I would make an album and then I would go on tour and promote that album for a couple of years. And by the time that cycle was done and a new record was uh, going to be made, it it felt so terrifying um, to try to remember how to write songs again. And uh, it became kind of this really scary season and process for me. record. Uh, And the muscle for writing songs had kind of fatigued and and that paired with self-doubt just felt extremely, extremely discouraging. Shortly after an album of mine called Storyboards released uh, back in 2009, uh, I was I was really bummed out. I, I believe so deeply that that Storyboards record would would have a bigger splash, and uh, it, it did great. And lots of super cool opportunities came up, and um, we got to tour around it. But but even still, I, I somehow just found myself feeling feeling really discouraged with where everything was landing. And I just had gotten married. And I think the beginning of that new chapter of my life made me kind of take stock in everything. And when I turned to look at my my job at making music, I just wasn't sure it would be enough at that point to provide for my family, um, if I'm being totally honest. So I was r- discouraged enough that I felt like whatever came next was make or break. So in a conversation with my manager, who also happens to be my mom, we were talking through um, what what could come next. And, and she bluntly just asked me, well, what do you what do you like doing? And I mentioned the conversation I had with David a few months back and, and how awesome I thought it was that he's just in this constant flow of writing. And, and then I mentioned that I related to the, the Hans Zimmer interview um, and how I just loved all aspects of getting to make music for a living. But what I love the most is writing songs. And then kind of all at once, the, the idea for your book tumbled out. It, what, what would it feel like to spend a year just writing songs? And then that led to thinking through, well, how many songs? And um, I don't know, there's something about three songs that each month just felt right at the edge of doable and not doable. And then I realized that I needed some sort of structure to, to get me to actually follow through with the, the whole project. And so the idea of a subscription came up and uh, uh, that felt like the the right idea because I, I would feel the necessary pressure to actually finish all 36 of those songs, you know, knowing that people had paid their hard-earned money for it. Uh, so then the rest of the ideas for the project kind of filled in the gaps. Each EP would be titled after the month it was released. Um, each EP would release... On the first of every month and uh, and so on. So it was a lot of fun. The whole idea got me just really, really excited again. And and my mom is is 
the greatest sounding board in my life. Uh, it's, it's my conversations with her that I'm able to figure things out. Either it's the the whole projects like yearbook or, um, it's, it's a lyric that I'm just completely landlocked on. Um, talking it through with her often brings this really, really helpful clarity. And I'm just really, really grateful for her that she not only listens to my, my rambling ideas, but that she guides them from idea to reality by, by patiently kind of walking through and thinking through every aspect. So, uh, she's asking questions like okay well with your book how is this part going to work or how will you feel trying to you know write three songs in the middle of a month like december when there's holidays going on and things like that all of it just just so helpful as i was uh, kind of you know floating on the idea of your book although your book started because i wanted to challenge myself to to write more music it had so many unintended consequences that have made a just a huge impact on me personally and how I make music. So I'll go through and I'll, I'll share a bunch of that before we briefly go through all 36 songs. I mean, as, as brief as talking about 36 songs can be. So yearbook led to my love of thematic writing. So examples are all three of my, my current a projects, Atlas, Astronomy, and uh, the upcoming Atoms, which, by the way, I'll begin this fall, and I cannot wait to tell you about that. Anyway, it, your book had the general theme of, of documenting an entire year of my life through 36 songs. But as each month came along, I, I wrote some of the songs inspired by the season, whether it's my, my first and only original Christmas song, Snow, on the December EP, or it's the, the love song, Dear True Love, around Valentine's Day and on the February EP. There were all sorts of kind of loose creative themes throughout your book. And, and I really, really loved kind of writing from that point, having a sort of creative prompt like uh, the time of year. It all just felt really inspiring. So after it was all done, uh, I knew I wanted to even be more specific in my themes, which led to Atlas writing songs for each of the planets in our solar system, the Enneagram, astronomy. Um, I mean, pretty much all of my music and projects since your book have been themed. And uh, that all started with your book. Yearbook changed my perspective on albums versus EPs versus singles. For a real long while, uh, I was a, a stern advocate for the traditional album. I was super stubborn about it, actually. And this is all just for my own music, but I always felt like if I put out an EP, it just meant that I just didn't have enough songs to make a traditional full-length record. And so that just didn't make a lot of sense to me. So um, before Yearbook, I, I never really put out EPs. But Yearbook was this kind of weird hybrid. It was, it was kind of like three full-length albums put together. Uh, because it's 36 songs, but it's also each one was released three songs at a time in these little EPs. So I was super excited about the idea, which meant I had to let go of my my very stubborn only albums perspective. And I, I really do still love the idea of traditional full length records in the same way that I love the the feature film. That length and that um, that art form is just really beautiful. So in the same way that I feel that for movies, I feel that for uh, for music albums versus singles and all that. A strange and really kind of wonderful result from releasing uh, EPs once a month um, was that each of the three songs that were coming out felt like they actually received equal attention once they were released. Before every record I would put out, I, I felt kind of sad that there were always a handful of songs that were on the album that just didn't get heard as much as the others. But, but strangely, somehow putting out more music in, in smaller doses actually gave space and time for, for every single song on the project to be received and digested and, and actually really heard. 
And I really didn't expect that at all. In fact, I was super worried that by releasing 36 songs over a year's time, that it would get super old and and folks would start to kind of tune out. But the opposite was true. And I was really, really happy about that. And not only did each song get its own moment and I felt like it was truly heard, um, as each of the EPs came out, they actually reminded listeners that the other EPs existed. So it created its own kind of campaign. And I was just really, really delighted that more and more people were listening and finding the other songs on the project as the, as the project moved on. Kind of along the same lines, um, your book also led to uh, my music getting to be a part of a, a bunch of TV shows and movies. And I think by having new music coming out with such frequency, the songs kind of found their way onto the radars of folks in charge of music on, on lots of different film and TV shows. Uh, those people, of course, are called music supervisors. Um, and, and yes, yeah, slowly but surely, more and more songs from your book were being licensed in different TV shows. And um, the more that that happened, the more other music supervisors found out about the music. And this was, again, another entirely unintentional consequence. And it just taught me a, a huge personal lesson. Before yearbook, I, I tried very hard to manifest and kind of push into opportunities. I tried pitching my music everywhere I could. I, I kept track of who was in charge of music for, for shows I felt like used music like mine. Uh, but I, I did all of that, of course, mindfully and, and hopefully without being too big of a pain in the butt. But 99.9% um, .9 of those efforts went absolutely nowhere. And, and it took me a lot of time and energy that I wasn't putting into making music. So all, all of that effort that I was trying to chase after opportunities, um, I found myself just kind of unable to um, focus on doing the thing I love, which is making music. So and, and, and I don't think doing that stuff is, is wrong at all. I think being proactive and trying to pitch your art at things that make sense is is a really good thing um, when it's done respectfully and, and thoughtfully. But I know that for me, it actually felt like building expectations and, and that led to disappointment. And all of that made making music harder, which is the opposite of the outcome that I would hope for. But when I began yearbook, I, I really kept my head down constantly. And because of the, the monthly deadlines, I, I really didn't have time to push my music anywhere and to have any sort of, you know, campaign of, of promotion. And somehow, kind of in spite of me, uh, actually making more things led more people to hearing those things. And so, um, which led to just really fun opportunities. And that's definitely what happened with your book. So in a way, your book taught me to keep my head down and just do the work. I also learned that when I pushed through writer's block, better songs were, were on the other side. And with, with deadlines, for me, even though they are incredibly stressful and that stress definitely needs to be kept in line, uh, it, it keeps me there doing the work. And I waited through lots of writer's blocks of lots of bad ideas and, and just kept at it during your book. And before your book, I, if writer's block showed up, I would completely run away. Maybe I wouldn't even write for months. But um, as I've talked about in other episodes, for me, um, when I ignore the writing process, it makes monsters and they get bigger and bigger the longer I don't sit there and fight back. And so your book made absolutely certain that I pushed through and uh, I was really, really thankful that that lesson came through because it's something that I have held near and dear ever since. And I think it has made my, my creative life a lot. Um, I wouldn't say easier, but I would say more efficient. And actually on that same page, I, I learned that I felt a much deeper and more personal connection to the songs that I was writing as well. 
Uh, I think that's because the speed of writing your book and recording um, so quickly just felt way closer to the original heart of each song. I hear these songs now and I, I hear exactly where I was and, and exactly what I was feeling. And music that I made before your book, um, I still, it still completely contains the heart and I still am, am proud of it. Uh, but it also contains a lot of the the baggage of, of just overthinking every piece of the recording and just over laboring. And so for your book, uh, there wasn't a lot of time to second guess everything. And so now I just hear those songs as being much closer to the inspiration and much closer to the heart of what I was trying to express when I wrote your book. And I think all that just made me feel a lot more confident in my writing as a songwriter, as a, as a producer. I guess like any muscle, you know, the practice of writing all the time just led to just feeling better about it. And so the same thing goes for producing and engineering. Uh, the more I did it, the more comfortable it felt. And your book just had no room for preciousness. There wasn't, there wasn't any time to overthink anything. There was really only time for inspiration. And, and by following that, it led to a lot of exploration as a result. And the instruments that I hadn't really played around with, um, it was just a lot of fun. And I feel like that feeling more comfortable, as I said at the top of this episode, just in my, my, my own musical skin, came as a result of just creating as often as I did. I also mentioned earlier that the one rule I had for this project was that I had to be sincerely proud of each of the 36 songs. And that doesn't mean just being okay with the songs. They had to be true and I had to be honestly proud. I made this rule because I was super nervous at the start of your book that it would sound like just a bunch of unfinished B-sides. And that's so the opposite of what I wanted to, to, to make this. And so I burned that rule into my mind, and after the the finish line of each yearbook song that I wrote, I had to ask myself that question, am I actually proud of this? And then answer honestly. And uh, there were a few occasions um, throughout yearbook that I wasn't totally proud, and I ended up going back to the drawing board. But I think this rule kept me honest. Another thing that I absolutely loved about this process was um, that I got to hear feedback from from listeners as I as I went. It put oxygen back in my tank every time new songs would come out into the world, and I just found it so encouraging to hear from you guys. After after each yearbook EP came out on the first of each month, um, I just I took that encouragement and applied it right back into the music that I was working on at the time. So your feedback helped me so much as I was working on these songs, and it still does because, as I mentioned. Yearbook has kind of changed the way that I release music. So that led to Atlas, which is, you know, a long form series. And it's, it has all these different themes, but it also, each song comes out as a single. And so every time a new piece of music comes out, I, I get to, I get to hear these, these really encouraging uh, words. It's not even necessarily compliments. It just feels really good. And it kind of shakes out any of the, you know, the, the voices in my head that maybe, you know, I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't know that I know what I'm doing, but hearing from you guys does convince me that, um, that I should keep going. So that's always been a really special thing. And that started with your book. I could keep going on and on and on about what yearbook taught me because there are so many like even technical things in terms of my production style and my engineering style based on, you know, quickly working in the way that yearbook encouraged. So, um, but I think, I think that's pretty good in terms of w what I'm sharing. I feel like I'm rambling on and on. And so all of those lessons pave the way for every piece of the music that I've made up to this point. As I mentioned, 
your book genuinely changed how I make music. And for that, I am incredibly grateful. I, I honestly feel like without your book, none of the music that I've made in this last decade would have been made. I feel like um, your book kind of broke me out of a cycle of making music that wasn't making me very happy, even though I loved the songs that I was working on, but the the way that each album cycle happened, it just, it wasn't true to who I am. And being able to write as, as often as I get to write now and kind of where your book pointed the rest of my my career of making music. Um, I'm just really, really, really grateful. And I feel super, super um, just honored to to be able to keep making songs. And so your book, your book helped um, pave that path. Usually these episodes are me detailing everything that went into a single song. And but because this is about your book and your book contains 36 songs, I'm going to try to briefly kind of just get some uh, some bullet points uh, down on each of the 36 songs here. So bear with me um, if I don't know if this is interesting at all, but if it is, uh, thanks for listening this far. And uh, um, we'll just briefly go through all 36 songs and kind of um, the, the heart that went into each one. So the very first song of your book is called Homesick. Homesick belongs on the October EP of, of your book. And uh, I, I remember thinking it's an odd choice, um, but it felt right to start the, the entire project on this song. Um, typically, obviously, uh, people like to, to start albums or projects on, a, on maybe a more upbeat or uplifting note. And um, this one is definitely, it, it sounds like the title. It sounds like homesickness. And honestly, even now, 10 years later, it's, it still sounds like the right starting song for this project. I um, was and continue to be madly in love with my ukulele. Um, it's the, Every ukulele I play has a Kala brand ukulele, and they're just incredible. My favorite size is a tenor, and so what you're hearing as the main instrument on this song is a tenor Kala brand ukulele. I believe it's a mango wood ukulele, for those of you that care about that sort of thing. Um, I still love it. it. It's it's known as this very fun instrument, and um, I just think it's capable of so much more beauty and so much more nuance and kind of intimacy than, than a lot of people give the ukulele credit for. Um, so I loved playing that on this. The background choir uh, is probably my favorite part of this song. Um, it's all narcissistic background choir so it's all me <laughs> and uh, it was actually all recorded on my iPhone I, I kind of had this uh, this little four track recorder app in my in my iPhone and um, was kind of playing around with ideas and I just liked the way it sounded off of the phone so everything background vocal that you hear is from my iPhone and the, the kind of spooky violin you hear from time to time throughout this song it was played by me I am absolutely not a violinist in any way, shape, or form, um, but I do like to record it as a texture and kind of an atmosphere, and so that is very much what um, what the violin does in this song. The bass and and some of the keys that you hear were played by my my absolute dearest friend in the world since we were 14, 15 years old, uh, Dan Perdue, and who is actually a member of Sleeping at Last um, throughout most of the yearbook project. And so um, you will hear his name mentioned many times in uh, in this next uh, little bit of the episode where um, I'm detailing what was played by who. And so Dan is an amazing, amazing musician, and I just so loved um, getting to record these songs with him. You spend your whole life 
The next song is called Next to Me, also part of the October EP, and it is a song about how falling in love kind of feels like being a kid again. And so I, I wrote it shortly after I got married. I think I mentioned earlier in this episode, um, I got married, uh, I think it was six months before yearbook started. And so um, I very much wanted to document that. So you'll hear several love songs throughout yearbook that are definitely for my wife and inspired by our new marriage. That weird kind of plucky instrument that you hear in the song is called a McNally strumstick, and it's a it's I think it's the only time I've ever recorded one, but they're really fun. They're um, they basically have frets that uh, you can't play out of key, so you tune it once, and then um, it is just in the key of I believe it's C. I don't actually know. I'm not Charlie Puth, <laughs> but um, it is a really fun. Uh, instrument to play and it just felt like the right kind of feel and the main kind of pulse or percussion of this song was just a um, like kicking the floor so I just mic'd, mic'd up the floor and tapped along and it was so fun because on this song I, I got to sing with one of my absolute favorite singers of all time uh, Stacy King of Sucre like the crooked hem of your favorite childhood dress and the holes in my jeans from years of carelessness. Her voice, the tone of her voice, everything about it is just so beautiful, and I love her work. And so this was uh, this was really fun that she was um, kind enough to be a guest on the song. To kind of get the feel of this song, that it's really playful and kind of childlike. Uh, while I was singing takes, I, I looked through old photo books of my family. So I kind of sung to these pictures and I just wanted to kind of emotionally reconnect to childhood as I was singing. And the bass and some of the keys that you hear are, are again by Dan Perdue. The next song is called Watermark, and it is the third song of your book and the final song of the October EP. This song was recorded in a room very close to a very busy street, and uh, because I recorded the piano and the vocal live, because I really wanted um, the piano notes and the vocal lines to kind of just, it just felt disconnected to record them separately. I, I really wanted this song to kind of have that flow, especially since it has this water theme. I wanted the vocal and the piano to be kind of interlocked. And so because of that noisy traffic um, was interrupting so many of the takes, I ended up having to just stay up super late until the traffic died down and then record all the takes. It feels like a nighttime song, so that, that kind of feels right. And the strings that you hear in the song were really special to me because um, it's actually how I met my, my friends Joanna Hui and Jessica Beckman. I think it was Joanna that sent an email at that time um, just saying, hey, we don't know each other, but I play violin and my so does my sister. And if you guys ever need um, a violinist, please let us know. And so that was right around the time that I was working on Watermark and knew that this song needed strings. And so um, thought it'd be really fun to, to see if they would be interested in playing. And so uh, they were at the time visiting Chicago and um, uh, were in a hotel with their family. And so um, were kind enough to invite us over to record them there in, in their hotel space. So we, we asked the, the hotel if it'd be cool if we record some strings and they were awesome about it. And, and that is how I met Joanna and Jessica for the first time. And they recorded these gorgeous strings and we have worked together many, many times since and they've become Become close friends of, of mine and I'm really grateful for not only their their incredible gifts but they're just really wonderful and sweet people too so this is a, a special song because it was the first time we got to work together 
The very talented Alex Cruiser played cello, and uh, Dan Perdue played bass and keys. A little while after this song was released, it was used in the show Private Practice, which is a spin-off show from Grey's Anatomy. All in all, it is a song about courage. It is a song from the parent's perspective, pointing their child to courage. Dive in with your eyes closed For the life you were born to claim The next song is called Bright and Early, and it is the first song in the November EP and the fourth song in the, the yearbook project overall. This song is actually part one of, of a two-part story. Um, the song From the Ground Up, which is coming later, is actually the second part of the story, and they, they together tell a single story. This song was a real pain in the butt to write, <laughs> kind of in every possible way. Usually when a song is kind of a problem child, there's, there's an element that gets added that kind of changes the perspective or all of a sudden um, kind of makes sense of the whole thing. And in this song's case, it was Dan Perdue's bass line. really was kind of the missing puzzle piece and everything after that just started making a lot more sense and so I uh, invited a friend Aaron Mortensen to play drums and um, the song was actually written during the writing of the Keep No Score album which is an album of mine that came out in 2006 so there was a, that's how big of a problem child the song was um, that <laughs> it took it took however many you know five six years to uh, to complete and um I'm glad that it is done because I can look back now and, and see the heart of it and feel the lyrics in it. And um, I think it was worth the, the, the hassle that it caused. But, um, but yeah, this one's a fighter. Why couldn't I have been saved from the The fifth yearbook song is called Emphasis, and this is the middle song in the November EP. And uh, this song is about hard questions, and it's kind of my, my best attempt at answering them, which, uh, which, by the way, was essentially this line. The smartest thing I've ever learned is that I don't have all the answers, just a little light to call my own. My friend and, and the absolute wonderful cellist Melissa Bach played cello, and um, my bestie Dan Perdue played bass and some synth. I was super excited because this song also got used in the TV show Private Practice on ABC, and so it was just so encouraging and, and fun that at the beginning of your book, um, a couple of the songs found their way onto TV. So there's a lyric here that, that references six billion pieces, and that is a reference to the, the overall world population. And uh, since this song came out in 10 years, um, I've actually uh, changed it while we were on tour um, to seven billion because the, the population has grown. So every time I, I've heard this song on recording, it sounds wrong because now I'm used to uh, <laughs> the updated number. And it looks like it might need to be updated again soon to 8 billion, so that actually sings better than 7, because one syllable is a little easier. <laughs> 6 billion pieces waiting to be fixed. I really loved writing and recording the song, and when we toured, um, I really loved playing the song live. It was one of my favorites to, to play through. There's something about it that um, 
unlike other songs of mine where I've had to kind of get lost in the woods trying to record it or trying to figure out a lyric or this song just kind of came very organically and very naturally and um, which which is ironic too because um, at the at the start of it when I knew this song was going to be a, a song about hard questions uh, it's not a great thing to uh, to try to figure out answers to hard questions when you're on a on a tight deadline so um, but this one somehow came came together really naturally and um, as a result I'm, I'm very proud of it I, I for the takes when I was recording it I did this one in the same way that I did watermark where it was live vocal and piano at the same time because they felt so locked together um, so I had, of course, you know, avoid all the traffic sounds and things like that. You can definitely hear some interesting things in the background on, on headphones. Uh, but it, even the takes, it was just fun. I remember sitting there just feeling like it, it felt different than recording other songs. Other times I'm just trying to get a performance that is the way I want it. And, um, of course, trying to express a certain emotion. But um, when I was recording Emphasis, it felt like um, I just was trying to capture the original spark, and that felt very fluid and very natural. And a super fun side note, um, the, the very gifted and talented Ed Sheeran uh, kindly posted about this song um, on Twitter many years ago, and um, here I am still talking about it because I am very honored. <laughs> Next is the final song on the November EP and the sixth song overall on your book. And it's called 10101010. And the song was actually inspired by a miscellaneous one minute random conversation my wife and I had with strangers in, in a Chicago elevator. My wife and I were, were staying downtown just for a fun weekend. And um, I think we were super tired and kind of kind of grumpy. And this couple who was smiling and super polite, they, they got into the elevator with us and they asked my wife and I where we were from. So we answered politely and then, of course, asked them the same question and found out that they were visiting town um, and they're having, a, in quote, a, a day off from cancer ahead of the husband's eighth round of chemo scheduled for the following day. And and I don't know, it, their kindness and, and their their joy in the face of such darkness, they were so positive and so delightful. Um, it just it just left a huge mark. My, my wife and I got off on our floor, which was floor 28. There's a reference to that in the song. And, and I wrote this song shortly after that, and it's, it's really about change. Um, and that conversation happened on the date, October 10th, 2010, so 10, 10, 10, which of course inspired the title. And um, yeah, I don't know, there's something about the contrast of my wife and I being kind of in, in bad moods, and then this amazing couple who has just this incredible attitude in the face of um, such an incredibly difficult things, um, just put a lot of things into perspective for, for me, and um, the, the song was kind of me processing through those feelings. The really beautiful mandolins that you hear were played by the, the absolutely gifted uh, Eva Holbrook, and she is from the band Shell, and um, was, was kind enough to be a guest in the song. It was so fun uh, to get to, to hear these beautiful, beautiful mandolins that she recorded, and um, it's still one of my favorite parts of your book. Ten 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 was mixed by Chris Bethay, and uh, this is actually the first song that Chris ever mixed of mine. 
Chris has since become a, a dear friend, and um, so it's really, really special to, to remember this song was kind of the, the beginning of that. And he reached out uh, around the time that this song was being written and just said, hey, if you ever need any mixing, and um, so I, I thought it'd be fun to try try him out. And it was so, such a obviously amazing experience because we've done a lot of work together since. And so huge thanks to Chris for, uh, for the mixing of this song. And again, Dan Perdue played bass and, and other bits in this song as well. Um, as a total side note, so in binary code, 101010 equals 42. And 42 is, uh, according to the, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, it is the, in, in quote, answer to the ultimate question of life, the universe, and everything. So I thought that was kind of awesome. And uh, I like the little, the little um, nod to emphasis, because obviously in that song, as I just mentioned, I was trying to answer some of those big questions of life. And um, so, and obviously the conversation that inspired this song, that felt just exactly right to have that little nod in this song. Now we are on to the seventh song of your book, which is called Accidental Light, and it happens to be the first song of the December EP. I feel like I've done this a, a, f a few times in my songwriting. There's always a little reference to the songwriting process. And it, it occurred to me pretty recently that the reason I do this is because I write all the time. And so if, you, if I'm trying to write what I know, of course, the, the struggles of songwriting in some capacity will, will find their way into my lyrics or into the song itself. Accidental Light is very much about writing and it's about deadlines. And so the constant deadlines of your book um, was definitely a huge um, in inspiration for the song. And so I, I chose the theme of racing. I am not a runner in any sense, um, but uh, this, this song has all of that visual and it made a lot of sense to me, um, that kind of uh, analogy for, for writing and, and racing a deadline. But overall, I mean, this song is about nerves, it's about doubt, and it's just about measuring up to some imaginary comparison chart. Uh, it, it's, it's about showing up to the starting line. The background vocals that you hear are actually from my dear friend David Hodges, who I mentioned earlier in this episode. That was one of the conversations that I had. He's this incredible songwriter and writes 100 plus songs a year and um, has become a, a real close friend of mine. Um, but so I asked him to sing background vocals on this and it was just really fun to, uh, uh, since he in, in a sense helped inspired me to, to write more songs, um, it felt really special to get to include him in your book. The drums you hear are from one of my favorite drummers ever, Jason Toth. Um, Jason played on the majority of Storyboards, my album, and um, has played since on several songs as well. And uh, this, was, this was a really fun one to record with him. And then of course Dan Perdue played bass and miscellaneous keys. And this song was mixed by John Goodmanson, who is one of my favorite people ever. Uh, John is actually like a Sleeping At Last veteran. He's been kind enough to, to work with me since my Keep No Score album in 2006 and has worked on the majority of most things that I've been writing and recording. Um, he is the mixer and um, all the way through Atlas. 
The next song is called From the Ground Up, and it is the eighth yearbook song and happens to be the middle song on the December EP. Um, this song is, is part two of that two-part story that I mentioned earlier from Bright and Early. So the Bright and Early is part one, and listening to both of these songs together, they tell a single story of redemption and renewal. So Bright and Early, even though that sounds much more positive, is a song about things falling apart. And From the Ground Up is about putting things back together. Like picking marks will sow our seeds beneath the sun. Again, the main instrument here was the uh, the tenor ukulele that I, I loved recording. Um, it's, it's all over yearbook, but... Uh, I actually recorded this one not with like my normal studio setup. I recorded it just with a digital handheld recorder. Um, and also a bunch of the piano that you hear that was actually recorded on like those old micro cassette recorders. It's one of my favorite things. I have a collection of little micro cassette recorders and they just, they sound so warbly and old and, and beautiful. And so um, I've been using micro cassette recorders for lots of little Easter eggs uh, pretty much since I started making music. One of my favorite people ever, Jeremy Larson, played the strings on this. He did such a beautiful job. I love working with Jeremy. Um, and of course, Dan Perdue played bass and bells and uh, helped pen the strings. And um, also this song um, got to be a part of the TV show Bones on Fox. And so that was uh, just really exciting. And I feel super honored that they would uh, let, this, uh, let this song be a part of that storytelling. It was part of the season seven finale. And um, so that was really, really exciting in the middle of this project to uh, to, to get to have another song on TV. So the ninth song of your book is called Snow, and it is the, the last song of the December EP. Um, I've actually done an entire Sleeping At Last podcast episode about this song, so I, I will very quickly give you a brief overview. Um, it's my first and, and so far only Christmas song, and um, I wanted to write a Christmas song for, for people that experience the holidays as kind of a reminder of, of brokenness or loss. Um, it's, so it's about honoring grief, and it's about making new traditions, and, and just being gentle to oneself when trying to remake the holidays into something beautiful again. And there are just tons and tons of references to one of my all-time favorite movies ever, It's a Wonderful Life. So if you listen to the lyrics, you can hear a bunch of those. But go back and listen to that episode if you're at all curious about how this original Christmas song was written. Um, it was fun to make that episode and kind of go into uh, much greater detail. So we sing carols softly, as sweet as we know, a prayer that our burdens as we go. Next up is January White, um, the tenth song of your book and the first song of the January EP. So writing a, a kind of cheerful song in the dead of a Chicago winter requires quite a bit of wishful thinking. Um, but actually, this one was, was so fun to write. I, I actually loved every aspect of it from the from kind of just piling on different layers that were really fun. And then writing lyrics for this one actually came together quite quickly for me. Uh, lyrics are usually the, the largest speed bumps when it comes to writing. And this one um, came together really quickly, and um, I just had a lot of fun with it. Uh, the drums that you hear on this one are actually lap slaps and floor taps, and uh, the shaker that you hear throughout the song was actually a bag of coffee from Land of a Thousand Hills Coffee. So um, that was kind of a fun way to um, integrate a, a, a really, really cool organization company. Um, but also, um, it just sounded really, really nice within this song. I tried a bunch of different like traditional shakers, and it wasn't until the coffee beans that um, 
it just fit and made sense. Uh, so this song is about starting over. It was released on January 1st, of course, um, so it's it's about a brand new year. But the future is brighter than it. Next is the 11th song of your book and uh, the middle song of the January EP, and it is called The Ash Is In Our Clothes. This is the first instrumental I released on your book, and um, I, I really loved working on this one. Um, my, my dear friend Jeremy Larson played cello, and um, the arrangement of this song is kind of a musical version of the, the three-act story structure. So when you listen to it, you can kind of tell there are three distinct different, uh, different feelings throughout the, the, the piece. That sort of somber start is act one. And that more determined type of sound is Act 2. And it kind of has a resolve for Act 3, and you can hear a little bit of a recording of birds that sort of is the, the sign of peace. Next up is song number 12. It's called Wires, and it is the, the third and final song in the January EP. I don't know why I'm actually telling you which EP. I'll, <laughs> it's probably making it very confusing, but I'm in too deep now. I can't stop now on, on song 12, so I'm gonna keep going, so bear with me. Um, Wires was actually written primarily using iPhone apps. Um, I'm, I've always been a huge, huge tech fan. Uh, waited in line for the first iPhone and pretty much every every model since. And um, I knew pretty quickly once the iPhone came out that I, I wanted to make music on it as soon as possible. So I have a collection of a ton of apps and instruments on there that I just absolutely love. And uh, one of which is called Sound Prism by Audanica. And um, so yeah, this song was kind of uh, pulled together through lots of different iPhone um, instruments. And it's really, really fun to make and kind of have those, uh, those limitations um, for the writing of the song. In the lyrics, there are references to all sorts of wires. Uh, so there's tightrope, thread, string, bow and arrow. This was just a fun song to write on, on every level, lyrics and uh, all the, the iPhone exploration. And uh, I was honored that this song was also featured on the TV show Private Practice on ABC uh, a little while after it came out. Next is song 13. It's called Dear True Love, and uh, it's the first song on the February EP. And it's a love song, Valentine's Day and all. Um, I wrote this for my wife, sort of my, my vows in a way. 
So in, in each verse of this song, there's sort of a, these subtle nods, these lyrical nods to um, my, my top 10 movies of, of 2011 when this song was written. At, at the end of the year and, and the start of the next year, I, I always like to um, think through like the, my favorite movies of the, of the year. And um, I did that right around the time of writing this song. And I just thought it'd be a really fun way to um, sort of nod to each of those movies in, uh, in the song. So um, there's, a, there's a slight reference to Toy Story 3. The Secret of Kells, Get Low, Inception, Tangled, The Fighter, The King's Speech, Exit Through the Gift Shop, True Grit, The Social Network, and How to Train Your Dragon. All are uh, sort of winked at in the lyrics, so I'll let you listen to the song on its own, um, on your own time, and uh, you can you can try to find those references. But there's also a blog post on my website where you can, uh, uh, if you just search "Dear True Love," how it was made, all those uh, references will will be pointed out on my blog. So one of the most gifted musicians literally on the planet, Ryan Francesconi, played slide guitar and banjo as a guest on this song. And um, again, Eva Holbrook, one of the most um, amazingly talented people also on the planet um, of, of the band Shell, played mandolins. And then my dear friend Dan played organ and bass. Memory bent out of shape A childhood already bruised with age When I'm without Next is song 14, that's called Land or Sea, and it is um, the, the middle song of my February EP. Um, and it is a song about feeling displaced, and uh, kind of more specifically, I wrote this when um, my wife and I were, were house hunting and trying to figure out how to move from Chicago to California, which uh, never ended up happening, but we, uh, we were in that zone, in that kind of mindset for, uh, for, for many, many months. And so um, this song is definitely a reflection of that. I'm trying to make that decision. My friend Aaron Mortensen played drums and, and Dan Purdue played bass on this one. Try to use words less than our hands For change is a direct result of our plans We've got no next song is song number 15 and that is the the final song of the the february ep and it's called learning curve i've always really loved songs that kind of contain just one set of chords that repeat over and over that there isn't really a verse or a chorus um the vocal melody and the the lyrics sort of carry the different dynamics of the song and so i've always wanted to write one but i had never really found the right chords and so um this was my attempt at writing such a song Kind of in the same vein as the song before at Land or Sea, um, this was at a time when my wife and I were, were house hunting. Um, we originally thought California, but we were also just looking at places to live to build our, our family. So you'll hear lots of, uh, of, of house hunting language in this song. So there's the lyric that references hardwood floors, white picket fence, bills, interest. <laughs> so all of those words were sort of my, my palette for, for writing the lyrics to this song. And this song originally started on the ukulele, but ended up making a lot more sense on a, a clean electric guitar. And I just, yeah, I, I really enjoyed writing this song. Um, this was, a, this was a, a kind and friendly song to work on. And again, my, my dear friend Dan played uh, piano throughout. To walk a straight line We had a white picket fence in the front yard A 
grass was plenty green Every window in our house welcomed in the sun's company We had hardwood floors The next song is 16. Um, that is the, the first song of my March EP, and it is called Pacific. So I actually recorded an entire episode of this podcast about Pacific. So if you're curious about that, um, go back and you can get much um, greater detail into the making of Pacific. Um, but in a nutshell, I wrote this song inspired actually by a, a concept trailer that I saw on YouTube when I was writing. It, it was for the animated film Song of the Sea, which had not yet come out. And I was so blown away by this early you know, concept trailer. Um, just the visuals were just absolutely stunning that I, I wrote this this, this piece of music. So Song of the Sea um, it ended up becoming one of my favorite movies ever. Um, the studio that makes it is called Cartoon Saloon and they made a film called Wolf Walkers that just came out uh, within the last year or two. And they also made The Secret of Kells, another absolute favorite of mine. So it was really special to kind of discover this random concept trailer and then now I'm just such a massive fan of everything that they put out into the world. So if you haven't seen any of those three films, Song of the Sea, Secret of Kells, or Wolf Walkers, please do yourself a favor and go check them out. The piano that you hear, that's my upright piano, and I recorded the entire thing on just a small digital recorder again. I just like the kind of thin, um, uh, kind of distant sound. It just felt right. And uh, I played the the warbly violins that you hear throughout the song. Um, and then uh, this song inspired the Oceans EP in my Atlas series. And uh, so Pacific was also released and, and updated on Atlas One. Next up is the 17th song, which is called Outlines, and it is the middle song in the March EP. This song was a ton of fun to write as well. I had zero clue what it was supposed to be, and I had no, um, usually when I write a song, I, I kind of have a, an idea of, <laughs> an outline actually, of what the song is going to eventually sound like. There's all sorts of exploration and kind of figuring it out along the way, but um, most of the time I kind of know what I'm trying to say and what I'm wanting the song to sound like. But with outlines, um, I had zero clue. It was just a lot of fun to just kind of see where each layer took me. I like to think of this song as sort of the sibling to my song Wires, which also features some iPhone instruments, kind of has a little bit of a slight electronic production with some organic instruments. And so um, they kind of had have, a, have that sibling relationship. Um, and I loved playing around lyrically with the idea of Adam and Eve story. And um, my pal Jason Toth played the drums here and my, my pal Dan Perdue played, uh, played bass. Now we're on to track 18, which is uh, the, the final track of the March EP, and it is called Birthright. She was raised by the wolves in the warmth of their fur. 
I really loved getting to sing this song with my friend John Foreman of Switchfoot. Um, Switchfoot, by the way, have, have just been some of the earliest and kindest supporters of my music um, from, from way back when, uh, just a short year or two after I started making music. They were kind enough to just give really, really generous encouragement and um, even so much as to uh, bring me and the band out on tour, for which is the, the very first real tour I ever went on. And um, yeah, they'll forever mean a ton to me. This song, it, it, it's all, it's fables about family, uh, lyrical portraits kind of of brothers and sisters born in different circumstances, um, and definitely has heaps of Chronicles of Narnia inspiration uh, in some of the visuals, and um, it was a lot of fun to kind of write in that fantasy vocabulary, um, so I really enjoyed writing the lyrics to this song. My pal Jason Toth again played drums, and Dan played bass again on this one. Yeah, so here's a little bit more of Birthright featuring John Foreman. They made her their queen On the day she was born Placed on her crown She wasn't ready for But all impossible odds Foreshadow on me Like paving the road gosh 36 songs is a lot of songs and uh, even as i'm recording this podcast i am um, wondering how on earth i was able to write 36 songs in a year not to uh, pat myself on the back in any way shape or form but i feel like making this podcast might not even be doable because it's taking me so so long to go through and even briefly detail these songs um but i, I just want to take a quick break before we go jump into the next one and talk about the artwork for each of the eps on your book um it was painted each each cover was painted by jeffrey benzing who is an incredible artist he is responsible for painting my storyboards cover as well as my keep no score album cover and i just loved working with jeff it was such a such a treat and an honor and um if you haven't checked out the artwork you can see it on my instagram page i just did a long series of each of the songs but you can also just find it on my website sleepingatlast.com so a uh, huge thanks to jeff for such a beautiful beautiful work the the art for each month was inspired by I, I wanted each month to represent something that happens in the world that's just really beautiful and remarkable in nature so there's things like the, the box jellyfish that show up on the shores of Oahu in Hawaii uh, for the for the first one in October. And then there's like things like the Northern Lights for the February EP and uh, the, the migration of the monarch butterflies. And um, yeah, so each of these little um, EP cover art um, represent a, a beautiful thing that happens around the world around that time. And these 12 different events have actually since kind of become like my bucket list. I would love to see the Northern Lights. Um, there's whale sharks in, I believe, Australia um, on one of the covers. And I would love to swim with whale sharks. That's on my bucket list as well. And so, yeah, so it serves as that as well. Uh, and then you'll see kind of sometimes hidden and sometimes not so hidden a photographer that's sort of documenting it. And so in the same way that I'm documenting the year through song, um, I like the idea of this little silhouette of a photographer documenting um, these beautiful things that happen in nature. All right, let's get back to the, the rest of the songs. Um, we're on to 19 now. Um, it is a song called Tethered, which is the, the first song in the April EP. 
And uh, it's it's another love song for my wife. Um, we actually got married by the ocean, like the lyric says, uh, in Oahu. And uh, each verse kind of refers to a bit of our personality and who we are. And so it was really, really fun to write, but it's just another ode to my wife who I love deeply. Uh, the main instrument of the song, and actually how the song originated, was uh, on the violin. And so I played um, a, a plucking style, which is called pizzicato, on the violin, and uh, I took on the challenge of recording that myself, um, rather than having a string player play it. And so it's definitely super wonky, but um, I kind of like that it has that um, unprofessional feeling to it. <laughs> and then I uh, worked on some piano bits, and the song kind of came together quickly on this one, which I'm always, always super grateful. And then Dan Perdue played uh, bass and some keys on this one as well. I've had enough of these Russian ways You'll be the The next song is song number 20, and it is called Intermission. It's the middle song of the April EP. And because this song is sort of roughly in the middle, it's not quite exactly the middle, but um, I thought it'd be appropriate to have a song called Intermission. So there's also a nod um, to this idea in the lyrics uh, where it is, I'm stuck right here somewhere in between side A and side B. So almost uh, almost imagining um, the first half of your book being side A and the second being side B. This song is a reflection on, on feeling stuck. And uh, the next song after this, In the Meantime, is actually about being unstuck. So not exactly a, a diptych of sorts, but um, uh, this song and the next one was, was sort of written with each other in mind. Among the dust of the heart to Next up is song 21, the final song on the April EP, and it is called In the Meantime. This song is about transforming the feeling of being stuck um, and transforming it into hope. Uh, it's also about patience. It's it's a, it's kind of a, a prayer for patience in a way. And um, as I mentioned, it, it is keeping the song intermission, the song that came before this, in mind, which is more processing how hard it is to feel stuck. And this song is sort of finding a new way in the middle of waiting for what's next. I invited my friend Brooke Wagner to sing the song with me. Um, if you are unfamiliar with Brooke Wagner's work, um, she is absolutely incredible. She's a, an amazing songwriter, amazing artist, and uh, it was so fun to, uh, to get to sing this song with her. The strings were by uh, the absolutely incredible Laura Mustin Sink. I believe her new last name is Sink um, since we recorded this. Um, and she also played strings on Turning Page and, and a bunch of other uh, songs of mine. So it was really, really fun to get to work with her here uh, because I'm pretty sure I met Laura through Brooke Wagner. So um, I'm, I'm really excited that we got to, to make this all on the same song. And then, uh, of course, Dan Perdue played the Rhodes piano. And um, I, I really love this song. I'm really proud of this one. It's, it's, I think it's one of my favorites on the, the yearbook set. Fear is illogical, 
Next is the first song on the May EP, and it is the 22nd song overall, and it's called Pacific Blues. Uh, this entire song was actually made up using only one um, software instrument. It's from a brand called GeForce Audio, who was uh, was kind enough to share this this uh, this pack of Mellotron and, and Chamberlain um, instruments uh, with me early, and so um, I thought it'd be really fun to kind of limit myself to only using Mellotron and, and uh, in, in their words, Chamberlain. Tron um, instruments and so every instrument here is is from um, GeForce Audio and uh, it was so much fun to get to play around with these instruments and of course um, I've used GeForce Audio on uh, heaps of songs since we're working on this one but this was really fun to just limit myself to just that and this is a song about wrestling with faith um, which I think is a good thing and a healthy thing to do from time to time so that's uh, that's the heart of what this song is about Everything I know is borrowed, broken, or blind. What I've seen of beautiful feels merely implied. Is it a treatment of symptoms or a touch of divine? I guess the truth is that the truth is of complex design. Now we are on to the, the middle song of the May EP, and it's called Segway. It's another instrumental, and it's the 23rd song overall in your book. Uh, this song was born out of a, a teeny tiny piano line that I recorded like 20 years ago from now. Um, I, I think I called the little demo Car Commercial. I don't know why, but I just thought that something about it just sounded like a, a cool car should, you know, be in slow-mo pulling up. <laughs> but I don't really think it sounds like that anymore. But this was a, this was another song where I just I just had a lot of fun exploring. So it felt like uh, I wasn't trying to say anything specific with it. I just wanted to to write something that I wanted to hear. And um, uh, my friend Chris Bethay mixed this one. And uh, here's a little bit of segue. is the, the final song of the May EP and the 24th song overall in your book, uh, Silhouettes. Uh, I think this might be the saddest song I've ever written on the ukulele. And uh, um, I'm sure there are sadder out there in the world, but it might be a contender for the saddest. But this song means a ton to me. Um, so while I was making your book, I had the, the privilege and, and the honor of getting to fly out and, um, and perform for uh, an organization called To Write Love on Her Arms. And um, so I got to go to these events and, and play some songs in these uh, different colleges. And um, it, it was really, really beautiful to get to not only meet these, these incredible young people, who have these really, really hard stories, um, but it was just just really impactful to see the work that To Write Love in Our Arms are doing. So after after doing a handful of those events, I, um, I wrote, came back home and, and I wrote this song, and kind of in hopes of writing a song that could honor the, the pain that so many of us are, are walking through. 
I invited my friend Paul von Mertens to play clarinet on this one, and I so love what he did. Um, Paul is the band leader for Brian Wilson's band. It was really, really just an honor to get to work with him. We met through uh, working on a song um, that Van Dyke Parks wrote the arrangement for um, on my storyboards album, and that one's called Clockwork. And um, he was the the highly recommended woodwind player that, um, that that Van Dyke pointed me to. So really, really fun to get to work with him again, and we've since uh, worked on several things including my, my newest song awake by the hand of god or death will they truly change their silhouettes for me Next up, we have the 25th song of the yearbook, and it is called Atlantic. Um, this song actually leads seamlessly into the, the following song, which is called The Sea of Atlas, which is uh, ironic that uh, at this point when I was writing it, I had no idea that Atlas was going to be the project that I would work on next. Um, so you could say, in a way, that song title kind of inspired it. But Atlantic, The Sea of Atlas, two songs kind of meant to be uh, next to each other, a, a diptych of sorts again. Um, and this one, uh, if you listen to it, it is completely seamlessly leading together. So um, just like Pacific, I, I tried to mimic waves and, and the movement of the ocean in the music here. Um, so it's constantly ebbing and flowing throughout. And um, as I mentioned with, uh, with Pacific, uh, Atlantic eventually found its way as part of my Oceans EP on Atlas One. And so it was fun that these uh, kind of, I didn't really have an intention of writing a song for each of the oceans when I was working on yearbook, but um, I just really loved that idea. And so you could say that Pacific and Atlantic inspired, uh, inspired the, the oceans theme on Atlas One. The violins were again by the wonderful Laura Mustensink, and um, the cello was played by my, my dear friend Jeremy Larson. And the next song, The Sea of Atlas, starts right here. song is simply about want versus need and so I had a lot of fun playing with that idea throughout the lyrics of this song. Uh, Aaron Mortensen played drums again on this one and Dan played bass and um, I was also very proud of myself for being able to fit a, a five syllable word into a song and so I fit the word vocabularies uh, and so uh, in, in songwriting that that's like a shooting a three-pointer. We once felt safe like no cure was needed Next up, we have the, the final song of the June EP, and it is the, the 27th song overall, and it is called Hourglass. This song is about loss, and uh, in the end, it's also about healing. It was written from the perspective of someone going through the motions at a funeral and um, experiencing a, a great and unexpected loss. The harp here was played by um, the incredible Diana Rowan, we're taking turns at shattering apart 
And on a different note, we have the 28th song of your book, which starts the July EP, and it's called Wilderness. This song is a prayer for a child born into an unstable environment. It's it's a, a prayer for hope for that child, that they are safe and protected. Dear wilderness, be at your best. Her armor is thin as the fabric of her dress. The seed of this song actually began as a very, very old demo, like like long, long ago, even before Yearbook, well before the Keep No Score album. I think it was somewhere in between my first album and Keep No Score. Um, but anyway, it, apparently it just was not ever ready. Um, at the time was not until Yearbook that I was able to make any actual sense because it was a, a very small demo with almost no um, parts other than that little guitar line. And so um, no vocal melodies or any of that kind of stuff. And um, so when I found it, I was excited to see what it could become. The drums on this one were played by Jacob Marshall of the band May. And uh, the bass was played by Mark Padgett of, also of the band May. And now we're at the middle of the July EP, song number 29 of the project. We're getting there, guys. We're getting there. Uh, and this song is called Hit or Miss. I wrote this at a very restless season of my life. Obviously, I was working on your book and I was just trying to figure out where my wife and I were going to land in terms of where to live. And um, there was just a lot of restlessness. And probably that's a really kind way of just saying I was just really, really impatient for a lot of things. And so it felt really good and it was helpful to pour that into the lyrics of this song. So this is all of my impatience, all in the shape of a song. This one was really enjoyable to make because um, not only was it cathartic to to get my restlessness out, but um, the production rule that I set for myself was just, why not try it? And so uh, I had just a lot of fun experimenting on this one. On drums on this one, uh, Aaron Mortensen, and uh, on bass, Dan Produce. Next up is song number 30, and uh, it ends the July EP, and it is called Aperture. This song is definitely a, a personal inventory type of song. And what I mean by that is just, it's sort of my journal pages just on display. Um, I wrote it right before I was uh, gonna celebrate my 28th birthday. And um, so it's very much about just taking stock of my life up to that point. Also very proud, I, I was able to squeeze in another five syllable word in here um, with the word archeologist. So very exciting news. And uh, my buddy Jeremy Larson played viola and cello on this one, and uh, Dan Perdue played bass. 
Uh, side note, with the anniversary release of your book um, that is out digitally, um, I am super excited that there are three live acoustic versions of a few of these songs. And so um, this is one of them. So I, uh, I have a live acoustic version of Aperture, which I think I might just play at the end of this episode. It's going to make this already very long episode, like eight hours long. But um, it, it'll be back there. And uh, if, if you aren't going to make it that long, you can find it everywhere music is so aperture live acoustic is is uh, brand new and available now and uh yeah i loved writing this song it was really really fun at the 31st song of 36 in the yearbook series and uh, this one's called page 28 and it starts off the the august ep as is the case with pretty much all of my music um this song is very much another page in my journal it's called page 28 i had just turned 28 um, as i wrote this and um I, I do a lot of my life sorting and processing in my music and and I feel like it's even more evident in uh, in Aperture and Page 28 um, than even other songs. So uh, it, this one's about struggling to let go and, and struggling to change and adapt and eventually grow. The violins were by the incredible Laura Mustin Sink again, and uh, the bass was played by Dan Perdue. I'm definitely not a drummer, um, but I did pretend to be on this song, so all the drums you hear were played by me, and they definitely sound like they weren't played by a real drummer, um, but I, I liked that they were kind of wonky and over-processed, and uh, I feel like it kind of adds to the, the feeling that this song is reaching for. Okay, okay, I need you more than I did the concrete Song 32. Um, this one's called No Argument, and it is the middle song in the August EP. Um, this is another one where I did a live acoustic version as part of the 10-year the anniversary edition of Yearbook, which is out all the places. And uh, so again, that'll play later in this episode. This song's a, a heavy one. It, it's about a, a single moment that changes a life permanently. Musically, I wanted this song to be as, as dissonant as possible, especially in this in this collection of yearbook songs. I, I feel like this one has the most overlapping dissonance um, because it's a it's a heavy subject. The spooky violins were, were played by me again because that's really the only kind of violins I know how to play. And uh, there's actually some banjo tucked away into this song. Um, so some very, very sad banjo for you guys. So here's a little bit more of No Argument. There's no second thought There's no turning back There's no calling off 
little bit of a, a happier note. Uh, this next one is an instrumental. It's the 33rd song of your book, and um, it is the very end of the August EP, and it's called Households. writing this instrumental it was a, a kind of a joyful process from start to finish um, and this song ha has kind of had this really beautiful life since it came out um, I was honored that it was used in um, kid presidents viral video called pep talk I'm, I'm pretty sure you have but if you haven't seen kid president um, in his many videos and even his TV show um, you should definitely go back and, and watch it and he has a, a video called pep talk where this song was used the Kid President videos were, were created by my dear friend, Brad Montague, and uh, who's truly one of the most creative and inspiring people I know. Um, so it was just really fun to, to have this song get to be a part and uh, to watch the, the video sort of end up everywhere. It was just really beautiful. Like much of my music, this song was actually born out of my love of film scores. So I, I sort of, I, I do that pretty much with every instrumental, especially. Um, I, I imagine something that I'm scoring. And so this is, uh, this is definitely one of those. And this is the 34th song, um, the start of the September EP. We are getting there. Um, it is called Noble Aim. This song is about commonality. It's about our, our collective purpose. Chances are we are the same. Against the odds, against the grain. And uh, to me, that equals love. And so it was a, a fun one. This one, this one again was a, was another kind of joyous writing process. There was very little struggle. I mean, pretty much building and making anything is nothing is ever easy. But it, it when it comes together without too much um, of a wrestling match, it's a uh, it's uh, at least for me, I'm extremely grateful because I, I get tired quick. Um, my, my pal Katie Herzig sang on this one with me. She's an incredible artist. Um, I'm sure you are familiar, but if you aren't, go check her out. And my buddy Ryan Paul played mandolins, and uh, Aaron Mortensen played drums, and again, Dan played uh, bass. Such a noble aim. Such a noble aim. Such a noble Now uh, it's song 35 of 36. Um, it is the, the middle of the September EP and it's called Goes On and On. When I wrote the chords to this song, I, I knew that it needed to be a, a song that had only strings and voice. And so I invited the, the absolutely wonderful trio, Susan Vells, Inger Carl, and, and Melissa Bach to, uh, to be my, my trio for this, uh, for this song. Essentially, this is a very, very sad song uh, about hope. And it contains, I think, my, my favorite lyric of your book, which is this line. Like a grand piano slowly falling down a million stairs But the sound
I talk a lot about the, the struggle of songwriting and uh, um, how I get stuck in certain areas, but um, the flip side of that is every once in a real long while there'll be a line that just sounds like it was made to be written. And um, I feel that way about those words. Till the day you wake up miles away from here And now we have the last song of the September EP and the last song of the entire yearbook project. Song number 36, which is called Resolve, and that title has a period at the end, um, which is obviously the closure of this very, very long and inspiring year of music. And this is very much a song about closure and it's about transition. My guest on this one was Laura Mustensink, who played um, the gorgeous violins that you hear. I remember feeling a lot of feelings about this song when I was writing it. I was uh, There was a lot of self-imposed pressure because I knew it was the last song and I wanted to end strong. And uh, But I also felt super excited that um, that I got to the point. I, I Honestly, I wasn't totally sure that I would be able to write 36 songs over the course of the year. And um, uh, so I was super excited, but also kind of sad that the, the project was ending because I so enjoyed it. As I mentioned at the, the top of the episode, uh, one of my favorite parts about this was putting out music so frequently just made me feel better about the writing process, just made me feel um, just really happy to, to receive feedback. And um, it was just really, really exciting. And not too long before this song came out, um, my, my song Turning Page, which was not part of your book, but I wrote it for the film Twilight Breaking Dawn Part One. And um, that all happened at the same time. So there's just lots of excitement going on. And I just knew that this song, I just really wanted it to, to be everything that this song could be. Um, I have no idea if I got it there. I'm very proud of it, but I, I, I did take some extra time and put some extra love into this one. Um, I missed the September 1st deadline that I had planned on as a result, but um, in retrospect, I'm, I'm glad that uh, I gave it the, the time it deserved. At the very end of the song, uh, there's a lyric that is actually in quotes that says, the doors will open wide for you. It was said just like it was the truth if we walk right through. I had a breakfast with, uh, with the absolutely legendary Van Dyke Parks. And I was talking to him actually about some of the, you know, uh, trajectory that I was hoping my wife's and my life would be on uh, moving to California and just kind of building our family and making music. and. Um, uh, he just, he said this really beautiful thing. He said, Ryan, I think the doors are going to open wide for you. And that just coming from him and um, just that exact moment that I heard it, it meant, it meant a lot. And it felt like the exact right, last hopeful sentiment for your book. And the doors will open wide for you.
Holy smokes, I am feeling so honored that you would take the time to listen through um, this this walkthrough of your book. Thank you so much for revisiting this project with me. Um, it, truly, it's such a such an honor and a treat to get to, to tell you about how these songs came to be. It means a lot that you'd listen. When I was starting this episode, I, I genuinely thought it'd be like 20, 30 minutes long. It would be this really, really quick, brief overview, talking about what I learned during the project, things like that. And um, it has now turned into like an hour and 20 minutes. And uh, just means a lot that you are curious about my music. So thank you so, so much. I mentioned at some point in this episode that um, as part of the 10-year anniversary edition that is out everywhere music is, um, I recorded three live acoustic versions of of three songs. And uh, the first one is Aperture, the second is No Argument, and the third is Silhouettes. And um, really, really excited to uh, to share those with you. They're everywhere music is, like I said, a part of the, the anniversary edition. And in just a moment, I'm going to play those on the podcast. If you are curious to every single guest that was kind enough to lend me their, their talents on your book, I am so grateful. And a huge thanks to my mom, who uh, is uh, kind of the executive producer on this. Um, She is my go-to sounding board, as I mentioned, and um, throughout this entire project was just so incredibly um, helpful in me sorting out my ideas and and for helping me put this project and this concept together in the first place. And lastly, a huge thanks to my wife, Kate, for bearing with me and just for her patience, because uh, this this project, uh, I started it very shortly after we got married. So all of this took place in our first year of marriage. And that is not necessarily an ideal time to, uh, you know, completely go off the grid and um, keep my head down and write songs nonstop. (laughs) But uh, we made it through and um, I'm just really grateful for all the people that were kind enough to support this kind of crazy idea. Uh, Once more, thank you so much for listening. I am deeply grateful. I am going to be releasing the second Atlas Three song um, in in the near future, which will be accompanied by an episode of this podcast as well. And I've got actually several things like Adams coming up too. So I will be speaking with you really soon, but thank you for listening. Thanks for being curious. And, um, I hope that the rest of your day is really beautiful. Uh, last reminder to, um, the 10 year anniversary edition of your book is everywhere music is, and there will be a special edition vinyl set that is coming, um, right around the corner as well. So check back on sleepingatlast.com to, to find out information about that. Thank you guys. All right, here are the uh, the new uh, live acoustic versions. Each were recorded at Electrical Audio. Aperture has Dan Perdue playing piano. And then lastly, uh, Silhouettes features Melissa Bach on the cello. Happiness is somewhere I've been before. A blurry photograph that I've since ignored. Carefully adjust the aperture once more Until I even out the score Brush aside the dim to make room for the bright I'll be an editor, no curator of light I'll let my better angels always set me right Until I even out the score I've lived a little bit and I've 
Underneath white flags 
every intention eclipsed by every stain of the past. There's no Thank you. 
All you really wanna do is make them proud, don't you? Don't you? It must be so hard in the mess you're always cleaning up to believe in the ghost of unbroken love. But I promise you. Your love, your.